Hello everyone, and welcome back to Ghoul's Night In, the spooky chat show with your best ghoul friends. I'm Penny Snark. And I'm Midge Munster. So, Penny, one of our favorite things to talk about on this show is those crazy Victorians. This is true. We love those crazy guys. (laughs) We love them. And lately, there have been some bizarre rumors going around the internet about them. And I figured, what better place to address and unpack that than right here on Ghoul's Night In? So uh, today we're going to do a little Midge's myth-busting episode. Yeah, I love it. Midge bust? No. Midge busters? (laughs) Immediately I was like, wait, nope, mm -mm, nope. Bustin makes me feel good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, starting out strong. All right. (laughs) Uh, But we're going to do some myth busting today. uh, And we're going to answer the question, did Victorians eat mummies? Have you have you seen anything about this going on oh, online? I, I, I am I am aware of this. Okay. This this like just came into my sphere in the last week or so, and I was like, surely that can't be true. Uh, <laughs> surely. Surely. And we're we're gonna find out if it is or not. But in order to find the answer to that, we have to go back pre-Victorian era and start in the late 1500s when Ooh. Europe discovered ancient egypt wow (laughs) whoa and of course by discovered i mean that they happened upon it and then started taking a bunch of shit that wasn't theirs (laughs) yay colonizing uh so as europeans uncovered the history of ancient egypt and the pyramids they began translating their language and learning about all of the Egyptians' different practices, including their death practices. And unfortunately, their curiosity also led them to disrupting Egyptian tombs. Yes. Yes, which, of course, showed them mummies. And this was quite a discovery for them at the time because there wasn't much cross-culture information going on. Uh, There was no internet or anything of the sort, so information could take months just to travel across your own country, let alone cross-continental. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Europeans, obviously, like uh, we are, you know, of European culture, uh, we're used to burying our dead in the ground. So tombs and mummies were really fascinating to them. It was a totally new concept. And as they began translating the language and studying the mummies, uh, a word came up that the Europeans thought they knew, which was mummia. And to the Europeans, mummia was a type of bitumen, which is a semi-solid petroleum substance uh all right now used for (laughs) things Mm. like roofing it's more or less Ah. asphalt uh but of course that means in olden days it was used as what medicine Medicine. (laughs) (laughs) it's just like any any weird any weird shit we can eat or smear on ourselves we love it probably poisonous better use it as medicine great uh and doctors would prescribe bitumen for literally almost anything 
headaches, broken bones, nausea, nosebleeds, like you name it. It was, it was bitumen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And this was actually a practice handed down from ancient Islamic and Greek medicine. And it it would continue to be used throughout the 16th century, making mummia a common cure-all for over 500 years. It was basically Tylenol or like ibuprofen, (laughs) like just take some bitumen and call me in the morning. But unfortunately, what the Europeans did not know is that mummia in the Egyptian language Uh, referred to a different substance that was used to coat mummies during the mummification process now it did resemble bitumen it was very like waxy and dark so Mm -hmm. the you know the confusion was understandable yeah and these two terms basically got lost in translation with each other and the europeans were like oh heck yeah we hit the mother load of medicine on these dead bodies yeah. <laughs> we're gonna be so rich um but penny how how do you get a substance off of a dried up corpse yeah that would be that would be a a conundrum it is i can't i can't say that i've ever wanted to get a substance off a dried up corpse right um well and the answer is you you don't it, yeah. it's part of the mummy <laughs> And so what did the Europeans do? They decided to take the mummies from their tombs and use the entire body for medicinal purposes. They sure did. They sure did. And so mummy powder becomes the hot new medicine trend. Yeah. So (laughs) what mummy powder is, um, they basically would grind up the entire mummy, bones, flesh, muscle, all the ligaments and goodies all up in there grind it all up into a powder and then ingest it by either putting that powder on food or usually in a drink in wine. Um, Sometimes they would add like it to cocoa or add a little like cinnamon to it to try to get rid of the, (laughs) you know, the body taste. (laughs) This reminds me so much. Did you ever watch My Strange Addiction? Um, I'm familiar. I've watched bits and pieces. It gives me a little bit too much, like cringe, for me to fully watch it. It grosses me out. (laughs) There was a there was a woman on there that was addicted to eating her husband's ashes, and she would like carry his little urn around, like pixie stick in it with her finger. And that's all I can picture when I was reading about this. I was like, hey, the My Strange Addiction woman was on to something. She was on to something. <laughs> is there, I don't know if this will come up, but is there any like description of the time of what it tasted like? I didn't find that there was, but I did find that it said that people, <laughs> we'll get a little more into this, but all basically right. that it didn't really do anything. And obviously, yeah. and that the, noted side effects were only bad breath and stomach aches um (laughs) so it didn't smell or taste good i would assume if it was causing like halitosis (laughs) i would think it would just be kind of like well they weren't burned though i was gonna say kind of ashy but they weren't burned yeah they were just kind of like old and dusty yeah formaldehyde i don't (laughs) yeah Um, whatever whatever egyptian mummia was very very salty probably um so this obviously as we're indicating here might seem really gross and upsetting to us 
Um, but this is far from the first time that we see this type of medicine in cultures. Um, you also, like, I, I thought about this while I was writing this. You may remember uh, when we did the Mary Shelley episode, we talked about there was a doctor who was famous for this idea that a mixture of blood and bone could bring back the dead, like a, a mm -hmm. bone powder and blood. Yeah. Um, and you have to remember, like, this is a time when very little is still known about anatomy and the body yeah. and how it functioned. We're still at a phase where we're drilling holes in skulls for people with epilepsy. We're leeching people. It's it's not a science by any means at this point. <laughs> and a lot of illnesses were still being attributed to almost supernatural causes in some way, like maladies of the spirit. And yeah. so medicine practices matched those beliefs. And this idea that the body could cure the body was really quite common. So like, yeah, like I said, the this doctor that Mary Shelley apparently had heard about believed this. Um, another person who strongly believed in this type of medicine was the king. Hey, yeah. <laughs> a real, a real trendsetter, <laughs> a real trendsetter, King Charles II. Uh, and his doctor, a French chemist named Nicolas de Fer, they were kind of known for using bone remedies for the king. Mm. Uh, specifically, the king was prone to headaches. And so Nicolas would grind up human skull, it was said, to use as a, a fancy precursor to acetaminophen. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, so when mummy powder showed up on the scene, the king was all about it, of course. He was like, hell yeah. And as was the times, then everyone else was like, heck yeah, the king's doing it. We should all do right? that. Yeah, if the king's doing it, it must be good. <laughs> yeah, he seems like a guy who knows what's up. So uh, much like the idea that the skull powder could fix a head problem mm -hmm. it was believed that the type of mummy that you consumed would make a difference in the kind of health benefits you would receive from it so you're looking for a mummy <laughs> to, to grind up to make your bread um they were looking for young healthy bodies preferably ones that had died quick and violent deaths like soldiers um yeah. so that the corpse was in otherwise good health when they okay. passed <laughs> i was about to say when you're like young healthy bodies i'm like not a lot of those are corpses <laughs> in general but i guess yeah if it's a violent death <laughs> yeah so they were hoping to find which is kind of miserable to say they were hoping yeah. to yeah. find people who died quickly and violently um for royals such as charles ii and other social elite eating mummies was also deemed as like appropriate for them because doctors claimed that mummia was made from pharaohs and so yeah. the idea was that this medicine sustained their royalty oh sure sure you know uh and if you what's really kind of i mean i was gonna say what's wild about this everything about this is <laughs> literally wild everything. first of all let's let's start there um but when you think about mummies today, they seem pretty rare. You know, we yeah. we only see them really in a few museums across the world. Like, it's not like we're rolling in mummies or Egyptian artifacts in general, for that matter. 
Um, however, it's estimated that around 70 million mummies were made in Egypt over the 3,000 years of yeah, their civilization. Th- th- this is why. This is why they're rare. It's people were grinding them Unfortunately, up. Unfortunately, this is why. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not just this. No, just, no, of um, course not. But General mishandling <laughs> of artifacts, taking things that don't belong to your culture. Um, but yes, crazy trends like mummy powder are a huge part of the reason that so many of these this history is now just lost to the sands of time or well or more aptly to the belly of the bourgeoisie (laughs) (laughs) uh i also have to pause here penny because i've got a a little fact that came up in this research that i think you're going to be smitten with uh so at a certain point they start to run out of mummy resources (laughs) Our mummy supply is running Our low. mummy supply has run dry, and we'll explain that here a little bit more in a second. But there are records that indicate that people were looking for ways to replace their mummy supply, and people went looking for bog bodies. Hey! <laughs> body. Return of the bog Return bodies. Return of the bog bodies, because obviously people believe that that process was similar to mummification, mm-hmm. which they're not mm-hmm. wrong. Yeah. I mean, it's it's different for sure, but it's the, the body is preserved in a similar yeah, way. Similar results. Um, but so people were eating them up. <laughs> mm, yum, yum. It was a whole new meaning to bog butter. Uh, mm. Zero out of ten. But eventually uh people kind of catch on to what's happening here it's uh, i mean it's a phenomenon right it's all over yeah. and so trade bans begin coming forward on human remains which seems mm-hmm. like that should have been happening already but pop off um so we get these trade bans hey stop taking mummies out of egypt um but there are still plenty of people who want mummy powder and no supply uh, so we yeah we look at bog bodies but there's not that many of those. And as the shortage of mummies becomes apparent that it's like not going to be a thing anymore, um, it becomes evident that doctors and apothecaries were making counterfeit mummy powder with modern mm. corpses. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, there were even like recipes out in the world that were a guide on how to, quote, make your own mummy. Uh, and mm. grind it into powder and that then you know it's just a it's a what's the word domino effect yeah uh, <laughs> because then this leads to like grave robbing and also like we're just we're it's cannibalism yeah <laughs> we're yeah, talking it's not, about it's not good it's not cannibalism good. and i think while i don't um believe in this point of view i think it's easy for people to separate themselves from bodies a that died a long time ago and b bodies that are not of a culture that is their culture yeah but then we're continuing into a space where now we're eating people who are alive right now yeah (laughs) and people still kind of seem unbothered (laughs) Is, yeah i just have I, a lot of questions like i'm not excusing obviously the the mummy powder thing is horrible but I, like i kind of i guess i can kind of get there mentally of like people separating themselves from that being human yeah. anyway wild but thankfully 
uh, most folks had lost a taste for mummy medicine by the end of the 16th century. Phew. So, um, but it did, it did unfortunately, I mean, it, it continued for quite some time. Yeah. Even after the end of the 16th century, the last mention of mummy medicine being used is in a German pharmaceutical journal from 1905. Oh, no. So it wasn't happening on that large scale that it was in that, you know, little moment in the 1600s. But man, <laughs> 1905 that's not that long ago no it's not that long ago did you ever watch the office yes <laughs> do you remember the episode where they go to gabe's apartment to watch glee and he has those like japanese seahorse <laughs> like bits ground up and they're supposed to like give you virility do you remember that? Oh, vaguely, yeah. <laughs> I was telling Taylor about this episode while I was writing it, and he's like, it's like the seahorses. And I was like, what? <laughs> like from the office. I was like, oh my god, I forgot about that. People, people do like to grind stuff up and they be like, this will work. And it's like, I don't think it I don't think it works that way. I know. It's bizarre. But yeah, I, I gross. <laughs> That's all I have gross. to say. <laughs> uh, but I love this episode is just gross. gross. That's <laughs> gross. But uh, yeah, as I said, on the large end of the scale, by the end of the 16th century, the consumption of mummies had pretty much stopped. So then this begs the question, why is the internet attributing this idea to the Victorians? Because mm. that's not the Victorian era. It's not. Well, that, that last little mention of it, 1905, technically hits the Victorian era, but that's not when it really happened. Um, so, yes, mummy powder in the medicinal sense may have fallen out of fashion pre-Victoria era, Victoria, Victorian era. <laughs> well, pre-Queen Victoria. <laughs> right. <laughs> um but the fascination and exploitation of Egyptian culture certainly did not fall out of fashion. Oh, no. And in 1799, just on the, the cusp of going towards Victorian time, we get Napoleon invading Egypt to block British trade routes. And this leads to a very important historical moment, which is finding the Rosetta Stone. Yay. And that was kind of the precipice for a huge period of like egypt craziness like yeah literally this period is called egyptomania <laughs> <laughs> it's like hulkamania hulkamania but egypt. original hulkamania <laughs> uh so people are can't get enough of egypt and yes, the Victorians may not have been eating mummies, but they were not too far behind that. Uh, it's not surprising at all to me that the Victorians, who we know had a rich death culture themselves, mm -hmm. were also obsessed with Egypt's culture and their death practices. However, um, the ways in which they chose to show this fascination are odd at best and massively disrespectful at worst. <laughs> Uh, much like our good old friend Arsenic, they thought, what a great use for mummies it would be if we made paint. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Mummy brown. Yes, that's right. Mummy brown was a very popular pigment used in paint during this time, which uh, was just as you would guess. <laughs> Say it with me. Crushed up. Up. Mummy. <laughs> 
this just seems so unnecessary <laughs> like right like and also it's like you're you did all this to make brown, brown. like There's i understand when you're like brown paint it's not like it produced some extraordinary color never seen by the human eye right and like it's one thing to be like oh like we have a hard time making bright colors but this arsenic sure does make a pretty green that's like okay but right. like you can make brown out of anything literally throw some dirt in water boom <laughs> brown like brown. yeah this just in particular to me was was flat out wild um and yeah mummy brown was super popular i guess it was supposedly really good for doing shadows on skin and faces and things and paintings uh and stayed really popular for a long time and in fact you can still find in paint packs browns named mummy brown they're not made with mummies anymore but the color name stuck which i thought is interesting not with real mummies <laughs> now with a hundred percent less mummy oh like when like when your tuna can is just like 100 percent dolphin free yeah <laughs> it's 100 percent mummy free no mummies were harmed in the making of this paint uh but this is not even the most unnerving thing that the victorians were doing the big thing that came to pass during their time was mummy unwrapping parties. Woo. These became a common event in private homes where Egyptian mummies would be, you guessed it, unwrapped for <laughs> the entertainment of the guests. Now, in the beginning, early unwrapping events had at least like a veneer of respectability in a medical yeah, like a like they, a they were research <laughs> right they were like it's for science wink wink um so in 1834 a surgeon by the name of thomas pettigrew kind of became one of the first real like egyptologists like he was very renowned for his knowledge of egypt mm -hmm. stuff and uh he unwrapped a mummy at the royal college of surgeons and you know autopsies and operations it was pretty common for there to be like operating theaters and things yeah. at this point so um this unwrapping was just like another public medical event and people came and watched and were like whoa cool a mummy body that's neat but as uh they often do rich people soon got wind <laughs> of this and thought hey, I could unbox a real mummy just for the thrill of it and because I have money. And then all pretense of medical research was completely lost very shortly. And uh, the extravagant dinner parties began and people would entertain their friends with unwrapping while reminding everyone how rich they were that they could own an actual mummy in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this is giving me the question though. So in the in the previous mummy powder eating phase, mm -hmm. were they unwrapping those or was it like wraps and all? My understanding is they were unwrapping them. All right. No, it was just 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 the the goods. Good to know. So that is an excellent segue into our next little bit here, which is uh just to answer our question. Did the Victorians eat mummies? So the short answer is no, they didn't. There isn't really any evidence to support that claim. However, because 
as we learned here today, this was a long respected medical practice. And the Victorians, as people, were certainly fascinated with death, Egyptian culture, and obviously mummies. It may be reasonable to believe that some of them at least tried mummy powder. <laughs> tried uh, just a little nibble. Just to go a quick dip while pigmenting their paint. Uh, but I, I would say on a, a grand scale that we can um, debunk this rumor that the Victorians were like goblin mummies. <laughs> yeah, that was somebody else. That was somebody else. <laughs> I'm not saying it didn't happen, but this is one instance where the Victorians weren't quite so crazy. Hey. Uh, I mean, they were. They were still doing weird <laughs> shit with mummies and they just weren't eating them. <laughs> You can still buy mummies on the black market, and I am horrified that anyone would want to do that. And while I find the idea of, you know, like any kind of adventurer movie where there's like a mummy's curse, like that, you know, it, it's culturally insensitive, right? Yeah, yeah. But also, like, if mummies were cursing people, I get it right stop yeah that's fair you guys. and eating us this is stop doing that why are you doing that maybe the real mummy's curse is that it's just not great to eat a ground up person the real and, and curse. maybe that's gonna maybe that's gonna upset your tummy yeah the real mummy's curse is ibs <laughs> <laughs> why all europeans now have ibs yep <laughs> Oh, uh, well, I'm so excited that you um, knew about, I figured you probably did, because this seems like kind of your sweet spot to, in history, but... Um, I, I did, but I, I also had just kind of heard general, like, mummy eating claims, and I, I didn't yeah. know about how much of a gap there was between all of the various mummy mm -hmm. disrespecting practices. Well, and so. the the... I basically this all stemmed from me getting set at TikTok a couple weeks ago and somebody was like you should talk about this on the podcast this is crazy that Victorians were eating mummies and there's no context in a lot of these TikToks yeah. and things that are going around it's like did you know Victorians ate mummies look it up and then that's the whole thing and so that leaves a picture of people like yellow jacketing right like sitting yeah. around mm -hmm. a table and like Just with a fork and knife some mummy jerky. mummy jerky right <laughs> <laughs> um and so that was where i was like i need to look in because certainly that can't be what's happening here <laughs> um and i don't know that what i found was better or worse <laughs> right it's like but it's just, it just was different, different than what i thought <laughs> so now you know uh now that's you know. how people ingested mummies and painted with them wild <laughs> well thank you all for um sending me if you were the person who sent me the original tiktok about this thanks for the the inspiration this was really fun and inter i mean i hate i hesitate to say fun but this was very interesting to look into and it was a yes. piece of weird dark history that i was unfamiliar with completely so i got to uh, learn a lot myself today and that was really fun uh, if you are enjoying our podcast and you would like to let us know or if you have suggestions of other topics that maybe we don't know anything about that you'd like to hear us learn and talk about uh give us a well first of all follow us <laughs> but uh <laughs> yes, you can you can communicate with us by leaving us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts uh if you leave us a rating that would be wonderful but 
reviews are even better. Uh, you can leave those on Apple Podcasts, or if you don't listen to us somewhere where reviews are accepted, you can always shoot us a Instagram DM review. Um, Penny, do you have a review for us today? I do have a review. Um, so this review was DM'd to us uh, by someone who can't review on their app. Um, it yeah. is from Nicole or Muffin Top Mutter on Instagram. <laughs> and uh, she says, Ghoul's Night in aroused my amygdala. Ten stars. <laughs> <laughs> you're going you're gonna to love this one, Mitch. I can't wait. <laughs> While taking my daily spooky ghoul walk for my mental health, I like to walk <laughs> down deserted paths around my neighborhood with my AirPods blasting Midge and Penny's soothing voices discussing spooky topics. While laughing and gasping over all the banter, an innocent jogger leisurely drags up the path behind me. I may have horror movie screamed and also peed a little. Thanks, Midge and Penny. You officially made me pee my pants. Ten star emojis. <laughs> this, oh my God, Nicole, you delighted me so much when you sent me this. She also then showed me that you can order caskets on Costco Canada's website. <laughs> The, the important facts that the ghouls need to know. So many good things. <laughs> I'm I'm overwhelmed. That was amazing. Right. Oh my god. Well, so good. So well, good. that's gonna be the new uh, like descriptor on our podcast when you open it. It's gonna be like ghouls night in. What is this show about? So good, it'll make you pee your pants. <laughs> your pants. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, thank you for that. Uh, if you would like to submit your Instagram review, you can follow us over there at Ghoul's Night in Pod. Uh, you can also check out the link in our description box over there and uh, check out our merch. I've seen, again, more people buy on Ghoul's Night in t-shirts and sweatshirts. I love, Yay. love, love to see that. Uh, also, a reminder that as you are listening to this, Penny and I are getting ready to make our big trip to Midsummer Scream. So if you are also going to be at Midsummer Scream, and I mean, you'll see us coming from a mile away. We're easy to spot. <laughs> we are. Uh, easy to spot. <laughs> uh, please don't hesitate to stop us and say hello. Grab a picture. We'll give you a sticker. We'd love to talk to you. So say hello. Uh, and if you will not be at Midsummer Scream and you'd still like to see our faces, you can find me all across the web at Midge Munster. And you can find me at Penny Snark. And until next time. Good. Goodbye. Bye.